Who can say where the killer roams? When the blood flows, it's slaying time. Slay away. Slay away. Slay away. Slay Away, the podcast where we discuss the inspiration behind your favorite horror films, lore, gore, and every kill in between. Hey Slayers, welcome back to Slay Away. I'm E.L. King, and on this episode, we're celebrating Shudder's 61 Days of Halloween with Shudder's VP of Programming, Sam Zimmerman. Shudder is AMC Network's premium streaming service with the best selection of horror, thriller, and supernatural movies and series uncut and commercial free from Hollywood favorites and cult classics to original series and critically acclaimed new films you won't find anywhere else. Sam, welcome to Slay Away. Thank you so much for being here to celebrate. Who is Sam Zimmerman, VP of Programming at Shudder? <laughs> Tell us <laughs> about who you are, what you view as your role in the horror community, and a little bit about your love of horror. Okay. Um, Maybe I'll start with my role at Shudder, which maybe will have an impact on in the horror community. But I certainly don't want to. I think certainly so. don't want to like outsize. Even just I'm a horror fan. I am. I mean, I'm a very big horror fan. I grew up really loving horror, which I think is probably the first step to where I am now, which is really exciting. I'm like a, a position and a job and and sort of a life that I'm very grateful for, but. Uh, I first really started watching horror movies far too young. Like I think a lot of us who love horror movies, um, we had, uh, I forget what it was called, but it was sort of this thing that went on top of your cable box and got you free HBO. And it was most certainly illegal, but uh, I wasn't complaining about it. And I watched um, Castle Freak a lot and <laughs> uh, Tales from the Hood a lot and Scream a lot. And so those were, like really formative movies for me. And I think especially Scream because one of the most beautiful things Scream does is it kind of gives you a blueprint. Um, you watch that movie and all the references they make verbally, uh, visually really kind of sets you off on a road. So I, I remember being pretty young and watching Scream and sort of not only loving the movie, but coming away and being like, well, now I have to see the town, the dreaded sundown. And now I have to see the howling and now I have to see this. So I would say those were really formative. Um, and then that pushed me into a life of just watching and renting and, and reading as much as I could. From there, during college, I interned at Fangoria. And then I was one of the editors of Fangoria for a time. And then right around the time, I realized I wanted to be more directly involved in sort of programming films and hopefully making them. I was connected to the team at AMC who were building Shutter at the time, like developing what Shutter might be. 
and that was in 2014. So I came on as a programming consultant. And a lot of the work I did then was really like, if this thing existed, what would it look like? What would it feel like? Um, what would you as a horror fan want out of it? The whole concept was let's make something really curated. Let's make something that you can feel there's, you know, something handmade behind it, that there's someone there choosing what goes on this service and how to present the titles contextually and really interestingly. And about a year later, I came on full-time. And so when I first started at Shutter, like in the full-time role in 2015, my position was called curator. And a lot of what that was, was really building out the library and our older titles. You know, I think if you subscribe to Shutter in 2015, 2016, you might remember it being a lot of catalog titles, sort of classics and cult films, you know, a lot of like the work of Mario Bava and Jean Roland, things like that. And pretty quickly we started understanding where our ambitions lied, which were new releases and acquiring films and hopefully making things. And we started going out there into the world, into festivals and markets and building a team. Um, my colleague, Emily, who's, you know, she and I describe ourselves as kind of two halves of the same brain. We're the ones that go out there in the world and come back with some really incredible movies or so we hope. Uh, and I would say, that started pretty early. We started releasing our own exclusives and originals in 2016 with movies like Shrew's Nest or Maddie Does Dearest Sister or Alice Lowe's Prevenge um, or Flying Lotus's Kuso. And Flying Lotus is, of course, now part of VHS 99. I would say a really big landmark was when we did Revenge in 2018, which really kind of set us on the path we're on now. And so what I do at Shudder is, is kind of a lot. Um, I still worry about the library and the catalog and all the interesting older films that come from the studios and indie distributors that we work with. I work directly on our acquisitions, on our original films. Uh, I support on our original series, but I'm also really working like on the service and on the product itself. So I'm moving things around on the homepage. I'm programming Shutter TV. It's a, it's a pretty dexterous role and it's really rad. Uh, somebody else that uses the term rad still <laughs> that makes me feel good i <laughs> i'm pretty sure that i came on to shutter as a subscriber back in probably 2016 oh, cool. not long after uh amc networks had launched it in 2015 so i just remember the early days before it felt like there wasn't a lot yeah. on yet. but <laughs> yes. like i was like but it's like a horror thing so i like have to have it right thank you for sticking with us <laughs> yeah i'm still here <laughs> so if you had to tell us your origin story what's that story from the first horror film you ever watched because everybody has one i don't know if i remember the first one i ever watched what i remember is like a time like I remember um, like a perfect storm of things all happening probably within a really significant couple of years so I think what I was talking about with Castle Freak and Tales from the Hood and Scream that was all sort of like 95 96 and I was like eight or nine and then I think I had a lot of really kind of supportive people or like parents around me you know my mom hates the horror mine too yeah it's funny she's <laughs> my mom's a nurse so i think she really spent a lot of time being like i see enough of that all the time now my dad i remember when i was young going into the living room when i was supposed to be sleeping and seeing that like tales from the crypt or something was on tv but i was not i had to leave the room <laughs> like i wasn't allowed to watch i remember those days oh man but the cool thing was and my dad's like a, a theater person really but but he 
they both really kind of understood that my taste was leaning toward something and we're like, okay, we'll go for it. And so I remember I would see stuff on TV, but then also my dad bought me uh, Night of the Living Dead on VHS and he rented American Werewolf in London with me, he rented The Shining with me. He bought me some Stephen King books. So Carrie was like the first more adult novel I read. Um, I remember that really clearly. My grandmother bought me Psycho on VHS and she was like, well, you got to know about this movie. So I just felt like I had a lot of people around me who weren't directly into what I was into, but were clearly supportive of where my tastes were headed. So I feel like it was a couple of years of a lot, a lot just really informing me and, and solidifying that this is what I was drawn to for one reason or another. And I think over the past 20 years or so, since I was more, since I got more directly into the genre, I would think a lot, I try to think a lot about like why I like it. I think there's a lot of reasons. I think there's a lot of reasons why we all like horror. I mean, sometimes it's as simple as like, this is just a really good time. And this is where my taste and humor lies. Sometimes I think it's a lot about kind of like pushing yourself um, and, you know, showing, showing yourself something really provocative or further than you think you can go, which is certainly a phase everyone has. I think when we're all teens, we're really in the, like, let's let me watch the most fucked up thing imaginable phase. Um, yeah, I, I feel like the origin is more just, I, I started leaning toward one particular type of thing and a lot of people rallied around me, which was very cool. I know I wish that at the time that I was sort of getting really deep into literature and trying to figure out what I wanted to do and things like that, I wish there had been majors and programs like horror studies in college that is a thing now because we <laughs> didn't have that stuff where you could just be like, I just want to study this. It's like the passion that I have and it's where sort of you find your happy place, I guess. Yeah, and you need that support in those settings too because when I went to, so I went to SUNY Purchase in New York and did cinema studies. And it, this was in the late 2000s or mid to late 2000s. And I really felt at the time, it was it still had that air. I think it was still a little bit before, you, you know, horror felt important again, or prestigious or taken seriously in some ways. Um, so I, I noticed a lot of my fellow students were really sort of put off that I was trying to make a study out of the genre and and professors too except my advisor michelle stewart who's a hugely important person at, at least in my sort of like going into education and things like that because she was she is probably one of the smartest people i've ever met in my life and just so down for the cause like was just like yeah follow this thread study this go for this i'll watch things you suggest to me and I think that meant quite a lot because otherwise I was being met with a lot of resistance, which was really interesting. I mean, and this was like when the new French extremity stuff was coming out. So she was like, yeah, I want to see inside. And like, <laughs> we would talk about inside and things like that. Um, it, that I think the thing I've learned the most is, yeah, that support's really key. So it's very cool that there now can be whole fields dedicated to it. And, you know, just a more generally accepting vibe of, you know, horror is something to, to discuss and take seriously. And sometimes you want something really fun out of it. And other times you really want to like dive into what it's doing. Um, and, and that's not silly to do that. 
I know now I can take horror study classes from the Miskatonic Institute of Horror Studies Yes, on my own. Everyone can go do that and it's fantastic. So it's nice that some of those things exist for us now if we didn't get to experience them back then. But it's so awesome that you had a really great support system. Now, hopefully people know that horror has a lot of layers. It's not uh, silly or one-sided because I think it had a weird reputation at one point in time. Uh, oh, definitely. But like you said, it's a little shunned, less <laughs> respected. We're getting so many great horror titles. And when people say 2021, 2020, these were horrible years for horror. I'm like, did you, are you kidding? It's wild. <laughs> it's, it's wild to even suggest that. I mean... Yeah, I was like, but this came out yeah. and this came out and these different things. And once I started writing about films that I'd watched, that opened up more in terms of my ability to perceive and analyze and, and pull back those layers. So whenever someone says that, I'm just like, you haven't seen it. Or you're not even asking yourself really interesting questions about it because yeah. I, I had like... I went to see Barbarian with my wife and we hadn't seen it yet. So we, we felt like really late to the game. It was, a, it was a few weeks after it came out. I waited and I didn't have any spoilers, which you kind of have to go into that Neither. way. We were really, we felt really lucky about that. And we watched it and, you know, that movie is such a propulsive experience. It's so, here's a reveal and here's something wild happening. And you can leave it and really immediately think of it as something very surface. You can almost be like, I loved it, but I loved it for its sort of very instinctual thrills. It was like a, a bodily reaction. And then a few days later, I started thinking about what the movie is doing and how like the Justin Long character is interacting with, I guess, the villain of the piece and what he might represent. And I was like, oh, no, it, it's more than that. Like the movie is so good at being like a like a, a rousing piece that you're just like oh that was it and then and then if you just give like a half a thought to it you realize there's despite what it felt like there's actually a lot going on underneath the surface in a sense it was almost when i look at it, i was like in a way i know we started at the beginning but at the same time the last chapter felt like realistically it's in reverse mm -hmm. um when you connect all those threads between the characters oh totally so I thought that was really interesting. And I haven't written about it yet. I'm planning on it, but I want to watch it again when it comes out on VOD. Yeah, me too. I'm excited to see it again. Shudder is not just uh, our home for Halloween this season, uh, but the streaming platform has a vast selection of horror titles, really ensuring that there's something for everyone, which I've always thought was really great. The fact that it's varied and there's lots of indie stuff as well, people might not normally see if they're just looking out for those big box office titles that have lots of marketing behind them. So when you're on the hunt for new programming, what are you typically looking for? Um, I, I think there's a few layers to that. The, the first one being, and thank you, I appreciate that you said that it's very varied because Shutter on the surface looks like it has a focus, right? I, I think some people might hear, oh, we're a streaming service devoted to horror. And in their mind, that sounds narrow. But to me, what that means is because we have the focus, because we kind of we have the privilege of having a focus, we then have to showcase everything the genre can do. So like every nook and cranny, every idea, every subgenre, every perspective, we're now responsible for bringing to the service. So we start from there and knowing that if you're going to subscribe to Shudder, if you're going to watch some measure of horror throughout the year or most of the year it can't it can't all be haunted house movies right like it can't all be ghost movies it can't all be slashers it has to be a, a, a service that showcases all these kind of 
really interesting and provocative ideas as well as what you more traditionally expect from it. So we have to be good at, okay, we've released some really strong, scary movies first, and then we can build from there into a world where, um, you know, a really terrifying supernatural film sits next to a psychologically provocative um rape revenge thriller which sits next to a movie about killer genes <laughs> like you know we kind of believe they can all fit together and they all deserve your ideas and attention um so that's what we're looking for we're looking for everything the genre can do with the filter hopefully being things like perspective and quality and taste and and presentation really you know you've seen i've seen we've seen so many different of the same types of haunted house story or jump scare what matters is how is how it's filmed, how it's presented, what the story around it is, because that's what will make the impact more than that's what will that's what will fill the scare out. Um, so we look for just really cool, interesting films by really cool, interesting filmmakers. Well, and I can say that when the um, IFC Midnight films also started to come yeah. in with uh, what AMC did, I was so excited because there's just I don't know, there's a lot of really good ones that came out this year like she will is fantastic we're so thrilled to work more directly with them now i mean they are sort of our siblings within amc networks and but you're right i mean even their taste is is so strong and in many ways unparalleled i think speak no evil terrified me when i watched it at sundance (laughs) it's just fantastic some people will have a very different reaction to it than i did but i thought it was brilliant so that's the thing i love about that movie is we we can bring this movie to Shutter that will do really well, despite how kind of heavy and bleak and brutal it is. And then it's really down the middle. It's really like it might put you off in a really terrible way, or it might really excite you, and you might get you might love it. And we haven't seen a lot of like it was okay response to that movie, which I love. Yeah, I think my response was um, the trap of good manners <laughs> yes in society and how we've grown up from you know the 50s and 60s and expectations around it, how you interact with people and when you just let it go versus needing to just stand up and say okay no yep. <laughs> this is not cool i'm not gonna just you know ride the tide or whatever that's uh that's great in terms of how you look for what you're programming and like i said it has a lot of variety i like that i can have some of the classics um i can get some yellow films i can get um more like psychological thrillers and then i love a place like shutter that understands the vastness of subgenre within horror because yes. <laughs> a lot of people will say that's not a horror film because it's not a slasher or um or a haunted house movie yeah. like you said but uh there's a there's a lot that can make something a horror film totally and i don't know what we get out of putting very stringent lines on a genre i think like i i, I think that kind of limits discovery in a lot of ways because you'll see throughout the history of horror there's probably a lot of movies that if they came out now, someone might be like, that's not a horror movie, but it's been embraced as a horror movie or embraced by a horror audience, maybe because there was nowhere else for that movie to go, you know? So I think you kind of have to lead with instinct and tone and feeling more than you do like drawing a line and going, this is a horror movie, this isn't a horror movie. That kind of, you know, stops you cold in some tracks. Well, I know there's two series that um, 
came out during this event, the 61 Days of Halloween. And um, so the first for me that was really highly anticipated was the Shudder original series, Queer for yes. Fear, A History of Queer Horror. Um, for me, particularly because I look to Shudder's catalog a lot of the times for, uh, one, the fact that there's a curated fear horror collection and like a lot of other people want to see ourselves in film and horror films whether for the good or the bad is often where we'll find ourselves um and there's also a lot of films with great allegories for the queer experience so like when you added the director's cut of nightbreed for example yeah i mean we were so proud of queer Fear. we're so thrilled with the response to it um the work that that entire team has done you know brian fuller and steakhouse i i think and all of the folks that we were really fortunate to have speak on it, which is incredible. I mean, who came out to really lend their insight and expertise. The show rules. I, and my favorite thing about it is basically it's thesis of we don't have to make a seat at the table because these voices have already been here. Not only have they already been here, they are literally foundational to the genre itself. Uh, and that to me is like kind of the best part about what it's doing is really putting you in that mindset and setting you up to say, well, without queer voices, we don't really have the genre. That is an excellent point. <laughs> and um, another one of the series is the 101 scariest horror movie moments of all time, which uh, super fun. There's different episodes coming out talking about um, uh, the countdown, right? Yes. Um, so we're counting down to number one. And last week, uh, I believe we got uh, 23 to 11. So this is going to be the final episode coming up. I heard that you talked to Mike Flanagan. Well, no, well, we didn't talk to her. I mean, we have spoken in the past, but the, the, the fun thing about one of the episodes that I loved is that, you know, you'll see a lot of people weigh in on a specific movie, um, jump around, you'll get all these things. <laughs> but in one episode, when it got to Lake Mungo, it's just Mike Flanagan and I. And I don't know what happened. Or maybe we're out here. We're just the two that really are evangelizing this movie. Um, I, I will say I, I fought really hard to put it in the series and cement it as a new classic. And I'm thrilled that that he lent his voice to what's really a specific and wonderful film. Um, so it just cracked me up that, you know, you'll get all these different types of voices and then you get to Lake Mungo. It's just the two of us. <laughs> well, actually that sort of leads me to, cause in the moments we also, I think talk a little bit about, um, horror tropes and some people are like, oh, this just uses X, Y, Z trope. And so I don't like it because it's not reinventing the genre every single time I see a film. Right. Which I, I, for me, I, I don't need it to reinvent the horror genre every time i think it's okay to use um some classic tropes yeah some are overused but um what are a few horror tropes that you'd say are your favorites like creepy kids is one of my favorites that terrifies I, me I, I mean a i really agree with you i love i love creepy kid movies um who can kill a child is one of my favorite horror movies I think there's certain things that don't get, I agree with you, they don't get old and it, it comes down to, like I said before, presentation or skill in how you tell that story because an evil kid is never going to lose that luster. The only way it will is if you see a story you've, you've seen before in a very mediocre way. Um, so I, I love creepy kid movies. I really love folk horror. Um, 
you know, isolated towns, uh, cultish townspeople, things sort of long buried in the soil and long buried in the history of of a of a tiny community I really love and respond to. I find I find that as creepy as I do sort of inviting in a weird way. Um I maybe because I grew up in New York and I grew up in New York City that I'm always a little like fascinated by rural and more suburban communities. Um and and always want to spend some time there or like take a trip upstate. Uh but I love folk horror quite a lot. Um yeah, I was very excited when Woodland's Dark yes. Days Bewitched came to Shutter. I'd actually already watched the whole thing like three times beforehand, so it's taken me a while to come back to it. But um, man, it's just such a fantastic and really thorough exploration of folk horror and the history and the really rich history and its influences on the horror genre today and some of the new, really incredible films that I think we're getting. No, I love that documentary. I love it. I think it. Kayla Janice's so talented and that doc is so thorough and has given us an avenue to bringing movies to shutter that i honestly never thought would be streaming so the fact that through that doc and through the work that it inspired in seven films we can bring to shutter movies like eyes of fire and il demonio and allison's birthday or i can go get edge of the knife which is a film an indigenous film from canada which i don't think had been distributed in the u.s at all but and is is in a language that I think a very small population still speak um, the rules. Like it's 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 such a great like leaping off point to then program and work with and bring stuff to Shutter and hopefully people then go discover it from there. I was also thinking, what was I think? You know what I, I kind of never get sick of is like cheap masks. You know, like in the Strangers. Those masks aren't particularly elaborate. I have them. <laughs> <laughs> I got them from the spirit store last year and I was like, oh, I need these. Oh, they're so, so bothersome yeah. like that or like Alice Sweet Alice or. Even the ones from um, Your Next yeah. are like kind of fun, the animal they're masks. They're fun and they're simple. Um, like the one from Hush is like that. I get nostalgic about the really old Halloween uh, masks. Yes. Like if you watch, for example, Lady in White is one of my favorite like great movie scary movies from when i was a kid and it's so fantastic and i rewatched it last year and then having it as part of the programming on shutter now it's like <laughs> super exciting for me but one of the things about it is the mask that he's wearing when he's in the cape and he's like dracula right yeah i, I get nostalgic for those so seeing them and some iteration in film now is still really it cool is. have you ever seen do you have that book haunted air no it's like this big coffee table book of photos of sort of essentially Halloween in like the twenties and thirties and forties. And it's just full of imagery like that. Like those masks that have just taken on like a real creepy quality. Cause they are kind of crude. Um, I love, it's such a cool, it's a great, like big book to have at home and just like look through. Personally, like I just ordered a coffee table book full of death photography. Yeah, we're on the same so. page. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it's it's funny because we were talking about creepy kids and I was like, you know what I would really like to see on Shudder, which I don't know that we would get at any point. I think it's on Stars, but like The Good Son from oh, the yeah, 90s. I would put The Good Son on Shudder for sure. I mean, that's a good it, one. It, it rides that line, right? <laughs> like, yeah, it might be a thriller, but it does. It's a great creepy kid movie. It's it's It totally fits in that world. Is there a horror film that you recently watched that you can't get off your mind? Oh, sure. There, I think there are a few. Um, the first one I would mention 
is it's like somewhere it's kind of a horror film but it is a revenge film from japan from the mid 80s called mermaid legend okay i saw that you <laughs> can i be honest that i saw you post about it on twitter and i knew when i asked you this oh, question that you're gonna like mention all it. i can think about i watched it a few weeks ago i'm like tell me more about mermaid legend so good it's by the director Oh, it's by the director of Evil Dead Trap, and he made it, I think, a few years before. It's not explicitly supernatural, but it, it, the lead character, she does take on a mythic quality, which is really cool. But it's about this woman, uh, her and her husband work in a fishing village. They work together on the same boat, and the Yakuza and these capitalists are sort of coming in and trying to take over the village and build like a nuclear power, power plant. Uh, and they kill her husband and leave her for dead in the water. And in the process while she's recuperating is taken to an island that only women live on and from there she starts to formulate how she is going to exact her revenge and you know take vengeance for what's been done to her what's been done to her husband and it's just this incredible simmer until about midway through it explodes in a really specific way and then it kind of comes down again and then the last 20 minutes are one of the most spectacular sequences of violence I've ever seen. It's just a stunning, poetic, and vicious revenge movie. And I got that feeling watching it of like, where has this been all my life? Oh, that sounds really good. I'm going to have to see. Is there a way for me to watch uh, it? Kind of. I think you just kind of have to hunt around online for it at the moment. I'm hoping someone restores it and puts it out. And it really is so deserving of a, of a bigger audience. I was not able to watch Near Dark until sh it came to oh, Shutter oh, for that's that so period cool. of time. Isn't it so great. Yes, I'd been I'd been trying to watch it for years and couldn't get it. <laughs> so um, I was really excited, and I finally got to watch it, and it's just uh, really fantastic. <laughs> but um, so we're we're well into the Halloween season. Yes obviously, with the big day approaching real fast. There's still new Shutter programming to come during the 61 Days of Halloween event, like this week's premiere of the Boulay Brothers' Dragula. Yes. And so that's available. You can go watch it right now. And Andrew Seaman's terrifying can't-look-away psychological horror Resurrection, yes. starring Rebecca Hall and Tim Roth, which I saw at Sundance. You have to watch it's it. It's great. <laughs> it is such a special movie. It's got conversation starters, and there's just so much going on. And um, Rebecca Hall always gives just an incredible performance, and I, I love seeing her more in horror films ever since for instance the awakening way back in oh, the day i really like the awakening that's like kind of pretty underrated movie resurrection premieres i believe exclusively on shutter on october 28th yes. yeah i mean i know we're we're getting towards the end of the season but can you tell us any more about shutters you know 61 days of halloween event you know why we should be watching shutter and which films and series you think are going to be a must watch for halloween if you're staying in oh, that man. night okay so i think to start you know, we, I'll say with Shudder, we take it, we take ourselves, we take, we take what we do really seriously. I wouldn't say we take ourselves really seriously. You know, we really work hard to bring an exciting and really sort of spectrum of the genre so that, you know, if even if you look at our exclusive and original films from these past two months, our Halloween season, you're going to find everything from 
a really elegant stalker thriller and watcher to a very sly dark home invasion comedy and who invited them to Saloom, which is like a West African John Carpenter movie to speak no evil, which is this like psychologically and you know physically devastating thriller uh, Raven's hollow, which is like a young Edgar Allan Poe solving a supernatural murder mystery. It has the great sort of lush, like it's almost like a perfect Sunday movie. You know, it's foggy, it's rainy. It's a period piece. Uh, Sissy, which is like a glittery revenge slasher. Fantastic. I think I gave it four bloody knives. <laughs> I would have given it five, but I just uh, Aisha D's performance. It's absolutely incredible. Um, and we actually had a chance to talk to Emily back when it premiered at the Overlook Film Festival, and I didn't get to see it until it came to oh, Shutter. Oh, man. Oh, I'm so glad you so. talked to Emily. That whole team is really <laughs> it's special. It's so great. I mean, it's such a great movie. And then, and then that's, and that was just September, right? Like, and then you move into October, and we've had right. Deadstream, which to me is the ideal. Like, if someone came up to me today and said, I want to watch a, mo- a fun, scary movie, that's the perfect version of it to me. It's, as funny as it is creepy it's tense the filmmakers are so inventive and clever it's it's that to me is like the perfect halloween watch if you haven't watched deadstream i would almost save it for halloween night and you know shut the lights off light a candle and have a great time um then we had the return of dario argento in dark glasses so you have you know a a new school giallo at hand then vhs 99 which is just to me the freakiest funniest like rowdiest new v- like VHS movie of them all, Resurrection. Super War VHS, for anyone that's not familiar, watch that. Um, but also know that uh, Joseph and Vanessa Winter, Deadstream is their film, their feature-length film, and they have a, a short in VHS yes. 99. And then we talked about Resurrection, so I think hopefully that just lays out anyone listening who hasn't subscribed to Shudder, the world... Of horror, and that's just our exclusives and originals. You know, when it comes to sort of classics and cults and things like that, we have, you know, we put this year Dark Knight of the Scarecrow on, which is a made for TV movie that kind of creeped a lot of people out when they were younger. And we just dropped a bunch of Fulci movies, and, you know, The Descent is on Shudder. So I just think there's really a world to explore on the service of things you want to revisit, of things you want to discover. We we really care about those two experiences that and that sort of push and pull between finding something completely new and then you know revisiting what you already love about the genre and I think we have a lot of it on the service. The Halloween season's about to come to an end, but I'm just as proud of the things that are coming in November that will even be a slightly different tone because we know well we might all have like a little bit of a Halloween hangover and maybe not want to watch something almost straight down the middle scary, but what's, you know, like a witch crime procedural look and feel like, or, you know, kids versus like a creature or a father, daughter, vampire road trip, you know, like I, I'm waiting for that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know that's coming early November. Which one? I want to say the, the father, uh, daughter, daughter it's vampire Thanksgiving week. I'm trying, I'm yeah. trying to let everyone know it's the shutter movie. You can finally okay. watch with your family. <laughs> yes. Oh, and we need uh yeah, more horror films that are just coming out over Thanksgiving. There's only a very small handful of Thanksgiving horror films. That is true. But uh they do exist. <laughs> 
so you just have to hunt for them. But I, I just want to uh, end with one final question, and I want to ask you, what will you be watching on Shutter for Halloween? Mm-hmm. Such a hard choice. It's a hard choice. Oh, am I going to be watching on Shutter for Halloween? <sighs> to me, it has to be such. You sp- can't say the ghoul log. No, no, no. That's yeah. all. Like I promise, you can put I it on. It's great. <laughs> I think it might be the original Salem's Lot. Yep, good choice. That to me is kind of like the perfect. It's long too, so it kind of like can stretch out over the evening. It's really classically creepy. It's really classically like New England. Um, it, I'm really thrilled it's on the service. I think I would go with Salem's Lot. Okay, Salem's Lot it is. Sam, thank you so much for coming to chat with me. I'm so excited to be part of the 61 Days of Halloween event with Shutter, And hopefully we can chat again I soon. I would to. Thank you for having me on. And, um, you know, thanks for everyone listening. And I hope you check Shutter out and enjoy it. We'll be here with a lot of great stuff for you. Hey Slayers, if you liked that episode, please go and give us a review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We'd really appreciate it. And be sure to go check out slayawaywithus.com for more reviews and essays on our favorite genre, horror.